is out. Natural learning is in. Hey there, I am Kelly Edwards, your host of this podcast and creator of the 90-Minute School Day. This is not your typical homeschooling podcast. Here, you will find out-of-the-box stories from the trenches, trainings, tools, and tips to guide you forward. Yes, I like alliteration. We will also share results and mindset shifts to support you in your journey of living and learning alongside your out-of-the-box neurodiverse kids. I'm so glad you're here. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the 90-Minute School Day podcast, where we explore innovative and effective educational practices and the neuroscience behind them that can transform the way we approach learning and homeschooling. I'm your host, Kelly Edwards, and today we have a topic that's both timeless and transformative. Why is reading aloud the first answer? To begin, we are going to mix things up and flip things around. Instead of closing with our mindset moment, we're opening with this shift. Have you ever heard the old adage, learn to read, read to learn? This is a very schoolish saying that does make a lot of sense and appeals to the logic we adults have that once we read, we can read to learn. Of course. However, holding this mindset or sharing this, whether it's verbal or implied, to a child is dictatorial. It has that icky because I said so, or that disjointed logic that turns most children away. Children don't have a fully developed frontal lobe to be able to fully evaluate cause and effect and be forward thinkers like adults with our logic. They don't have the life experience yet to understand this concept, and because they are either early or developing readers, their experience shows them that they learn plenty without reading. Therefore, I propose this instead, that we look to the foundation of learning that we've talked about in past episodes, and that is relationship. Relationship in learning begins with our own experience and observation, And also, we then learn from the testimony of others, either interpersonally or through media. When testimony intersects our lived experiences or interests, children and adults usually desire to explore more. So let's shift our mindset from a focus that a child learned to read for the sake of reading towards developing first a love of reading. If personal enjoyment and pursuit of knowledge is the motivation to read, then learning to read comes naturally in due course. It is then that one can access reading for themselves and therefore read to learn. I propose we tweak that old phrase and instead say, love to read, learn to read, read to learn. That's today's mindset shift. How do I develop a love of reading in my child? In episode seven, I went into detail on why, if you do nothing else in your homeschool, read aloud. If you missed it, go back and listen. 
Today, I want to talk more about why reading aloud is the first answer for any disability, difference, resistance, struggle, overwhelm, or doubt in your homeschool. In short, it's the answer, the first answer, to developing a love of reading because reading aloud is relational. Relationship is at the root of learning, at the root of health and overall well-being, and it's also at the root of language. Language is relational. Let's explore this more in today's training. To begin today's training, let's dive deeper into the magic of reading aloud. Reading is not merely a solitary activity. It's a form of communication. And when we read aloud, we bridge the gap between the written word and spoken language. We make the text come alive, infusing it with gestures, tone, rhythm, and emotion. When we read aloud to children, especially to those with neurodiversity, spoken or hearing challenges, we open the doors to meaningful conversations. Picture with me a parent reading aloud to their nonverbal autistic child. Through the words on the page, spoken aloud with different voices, facial emotions and gestures, even sign language, they create a platform for understanding not only the story, but also the child is given language for their own experiences and feelings. They are learning through this medium how to express their thoughts and emotions themselves. Do you like learning with me on the podcast? Consider joining the waitlist for guide training. This cohort coaching series meets twice a year in the fall and spring. We gather here together, learning in community to be a guide, not a teacher. Guides don't do it for you. They help you do it for yourself. Guides go with you. Guides lead when it gets tricky and confidence is lost. They hold your hand when you need it. They walk beside you in relationship. Guides follow and cheer you on as you lead the way. Get the guidance you need to guide your homeschool. Learn more about guide training and join the waitlist by clicking the link in the show notes. My introductory statement, language is relational, begs the question, what is language? I have six definitions I would like you to consider. Number one, language is human communication. It is a system of sharing knowledge through form and meaning. It can be written, verbal, or gestured. Number two, language is always changing. The English I am speaking now is different from the English that was spoken 200 years ago. Number three, language is the primary way we do things together. Together necessitates relationship and communication. Another way to define this is number four. Language is a form of joint action and attention, which leads us to number five. Language is only understood if there is common ground. 
Common ground is a theory introduced by psycholinguists Herb Clark and Susan Brennan. This theory posits that partners in language need to hold a mutual understanding of knowledge, beliefs, and assumptions to communicate effectively. This is a reason I like to define terms, like I'm doing right now with language. Alternately, to provide common ground, you may give examples. Additional examples of how I establish common ground with language is, I will ask clarifying questions or restate back what I heard to make sure I am on the same page as the person I am dialoguing with. Or if I'm reading or digesting other media, I may pause to look up a word to learn about that term or a concept that I'm unfamiliar with. You can see how this makes a lot of sense. Language is understood only if there is common ground. Our final definition of language is language is a play invitation for all of us. Play means we get to experiment and language, as we said earlier, is always evolving or changing. In his book, Free to Learn, Dr. Peter Gray explains how infants and young children use play to learn to speak their mother tongue. He goes on to explain that babies use reflexive gaze. That simply means they look where you look. The purpose of this is to see what their caregiver or family member is looking at when they are speaking. This builds vocabulary and comprehension. Also to note is the structure of the linguistic play that babies use when they coo, babble, blow raspberries, and the repetition of those. The baby is self-motivated to do this. Simply put, they are doing it for its own sake. This play primes them for words soon enough. Let's talk about how young children play with language. Young children employ more sophisticated language in their play through songs, poetry, nursery rhymes, tongue twisters, riddles, jokes, and imaginary conversations. All of this is language practice. Notice when they combine, experiment, or create their own. This is creative storytelling and writing, even if it hasn't hit the page yet. And teenagers play with language via slang. This puts teens on the front edge of changing language. They are linguistic innovators. Why? It is a time in their life where they are establishing their own identity while also navigating peer relationships and respect. In other words, language is social. Language is relational. Let's turn now to transition from defining what language is to how reading aloud is the first answer to learning or behavior challenges in your homeschool. Like learning to speak or sign their first language, a child must go through the same process in learning to read. This process has two parts. First, they must decode the sounds or signs, letters and symbols of words and sentences. Secondly, they must develop comprehension, not just reading, but understanding context, vocabulary, and content. 
Reading aloud levels the playing field for learners of all ages and abilities. Why? Reading aloud is relational. When a more experienced reader reads aloud, they shoulder the burden of decoding and sounding out the words, while also conveying the meaning of the text with tone, voices, emotions, and gestures that brings the text to life, helping listeners comprehend. Neurodivergent people learn differently. That is the literal translation of the word neurodiverse. Whether your learner is autistic, nonverbal, ADHD, dyslexic, hearing impaired, or experiences another learning difference, communication by language, which again is communicated in writing, words, or gestures. Communication by language is part of their learning environment. Therefore, reading aloud in your family is a joint activity that removes limitations and grants access to everyone. Let's break this down. The remainder of this training is going to be an integration of our training segment and tool segment. This is not meant to be exhaustive or prescriptive. As always, my intention with this podcast is to create awareness and give information, inspiration, and encouragement. Do you enjoy listening to other homeschoolers share their stories and ask their questions? If you're like me, this is how you find new resources and perhaps experience new revelations. It is my deepest desire to share your story and your arrival to homeschooling, the struggles you've experienced, and also why you're still homeschooling. I'd love to elevate your family's unique learning journey for all of us to hear and learn from. I truly believe we have more in common than we have differences, and sharing our individual struggles and strengths is a way we can grow in empathy and understanding of one another, perhaps even inspiring a new avenue of learning to embark on in our own learning lives. So let us hear from you. Click the link in the show notes and leave me a voicemail and be part of a future episode. We are going to talk about five areas of neurodiversity, noting some, not all of the struggles with that learning difference, and how we can use the child's strengths associated with their learning difference to access and approach reading aloud. First off, let's talk about autistic children. Their struggles in reading may be attention, motivation, having the skills or interest to participate, aggression, auditory processing, and speech delays, to name just a few. A strength-based read-aloud approach for an autistic person may include, number one, rhymes and repetition. Using the audible patterns and rhyming may engage their interest. The next thing is recognizing that repetition produces number two, familiar stories. These satisfy the autistic need for predictability and will help with decoding. Examples of familiar stories might be nursery rhymes, fairy tales, books on their special interests, or favorite TV characters. Continuing this theme of predictability is to include read-alouds in number three 
around special events. That's number three. Special events such as holidays, dentist appointments, doctor appointments, flying, birthdays, bike riding. Like screen time, this is an approach to give information and predictability to a situation as an accommodation. This simply means we are giving the child information about these situations without the stress of being in the actual situation to learn it. The fourth approach you can take to reading aloud to an autistic person is to, number four, engage the senses. Try reading books that are illustrated songs. Some that come to mind we've used in our home is The Old Lady Who Swallowed a Fly, Going on a Bear Hunt, and Old MacDonald Had a Farm. You can also use interactive books like those with flaps, pop-ups, fabric books, Seek and Find, Scratch and Smell. All of these invite sensory engagement for your autistic learner. And the last approach we can use in reading aloud to an autistic child is number five. Prioritize the child and let them lead the read aloud. This means you're going to drop your expectations. Offer them book choice. You're going to allow the child to flip through, interrupt, turn the pages, hold the book, turn the book upside down, close the book. We do this because reading aloud is relational. And we're going to build it to be a regular part of our rhythm, no matter how short. We trust it will build over time. Let's move on to neurodiverse scenario two. If your child is nonverbal. If your child is nonverbal, the struggles in reading may look like challenges with motor, visual, spatial, and social skills. For nonverbal children, reading aloud can be a lifeline. Visual aids like picture books or sign language can help convey the story's essence. By paying attention to the child's cues and reactions, caregivers and parents can gauge the child's engagement and adjust accordingly. A strength-based read-aloud approach for a nonverbal child may include interaction. Reading aloud is naturally interactive, so let the conversations flow and look for ways to share the experience. Ask them to use their finger to trace the words or to turn the page. You can act out the story or invite them to act it out. Offer props, puppets, stuffies, action figures, and allow them to interpret the drama through these props. Use their AAC device. Be sure, if you're going to use this approach, to preload words or pictures that will occur regularly in the read aloud. Reading aloud is co-creation. Co-creative process, read aloud provides a fertile ground for the imagination to flourish. Stories become shared experiences, inspiring children to create their own narratives, artwork, or even new interpretations of the stories and tales they've heard. Watch for this to show up in the play and activities of your nonverbal child after hearing the read aloud. And remember that this can show up at any time, not immediately after the read aloud session. The third neurotype we are going to explore today is if you have an ADHDer in your homeschool. Struggles ADHDers face in reading aloud often look like focus, attention, comprehension, memory, or recall. 
Read aloud approaches that elevate the ADHDer's strengths are number one, since reading aloud is being together, it's a built in form of body doubling that can really engage an ADHDer. If this term is new to you, let's establish some common ground as I read to you the definition from ADD.org. ADHD body doubling is a productivity strategy used by individuals with ADHD to finish possibly annoying jobs while having another person beside them. This person is the body double. The body double's duty is to keep the individual with ADHD focused on the task at hand to reduce potential distractions. I would like to add that this doesn't mean that you need to manage the person or even be in conversation with the person. It's just mere physical presence is the body double, just being with your child relationally. And so that's where that approach to reading aloud happens because you're together. Other approaches include reading topics of interest to them and giving them freedom to move and play while you read. Picture books, comic books, graphic novels, and books with adequate white space are great to use with your ADHD in reading aloud. These engage their visual acuity and 3D thinking while not overwhelming their visual system. The fourth approach includes recognizing that the audible aspect of reading aloud is great for auditory processors. So give them a copy of the text to follow while you read, invitationally, of course. Try your best to eliminate distractions. So having the text in front of them while you're reading aloud can really help them to focus on tracking along and keeping their attention. The last approach for ADHDers is from my own home. My ADHDer finds it helpful to wear her noise-canceling headphones to filter ambient noise while still being able to hear me reading aloud. Other things that we have found helpful is to read at night or while she is seated, either in the car or at a table or doing a project. All right, let's move on to the fourth neurotype that we're discussing today, which is dyslexic learners. Dyslexic learners have reading struggles that may present as lexical difficulties. This simply means a loss of words. They may use the wrong word or placeholder word like thingamajiggy. Other difficulties may be poor phonological skills, which is hearing and manipulating sounds. Decoding, fluency, and spelling struggles. Read aloud approaches that access their strengths are like ADHDers, dyslexics are great audible learners as well as 3D thinkers. Therefore, using read-aloud time and audible books grows a love of story and reading. As previously discussed, reading aloud invites interactions and questions. This uses a dyslexic's strengths in audible and verbal processing to understand the story. The third approach we can use with a dyslexic child is to understand the key to good writing is listening to good reading. Listening to the language, vocabulary, grammar, and meaning that is heard gets encoded in the brain. So the more they read or listen to the more sophisticated writing of texts, the more their own writing skills will develop. Dyslexics are also great at discovery invention, creativity, and spatial reasoning. They're also three-dimensional thinkers like ADHDers, 
So employ this to your read aloud time. Think about that example with all the white space. Our last neurotype for today is a family member who is hearing impaired. Their struggles can often include time and effort. Listening to a read aloud takes more time and effort to hear, see, process, and comprehend the story or information. A read aloud strength-based approach may include, number one, combine reading aloud with sign language. If you're signing, point to the text in the physical book copy on and off as you sign. You can also use your body to help tell the story using emotive facial expressions, body language, and movement helps the story become more accessible to a hearing impaired child. Give the child their own copy of the text to follow as you read aloud. Your priority is to convey the story, not every word. Think of this more as oral storytelling. It's more content-based and comprehension-based that you're giving to this child. Another way you can model the comprehension process is by explaining context or nuance, reading between the lines, in other words, that your child may need to access the information and grasp what the book provides. And so you as the caregiver are able to, because it's interactive, know where your child is and what they understand. And when you hit a part in the reading that may not be relatable to them, you can stop, pause, and give them this extra context so that comprehension is more accessible for your hearing impaired child. Okay, the last thing for hearing impaired children is to recognize that technology is really a game changer. So use interactive reading apps and other multimedia for your read aloud resources. This really helps create an inclusive and engaging learning environment. Let's recap today's training, which was all about reading aloud with neurodivergence. Here are your takeaways. Number one, the main point is to recognize that reading aloud is the great equalizer. It removes limitations of age and ability and is accessible to everyone. The second takeaway is reading aloud is interactive. Family members model how to think about the text and invite discussion because it is a relational and group activity. Number three, when reading aloud, comprehension is facilitated without the struggle to decode, sound out, and have a high vocabulary. Vocabulary in reading aloud is interpreted and absorbed through context. This is how kids can learn vocabulary without having to memorize lists. Number four, play with language. Do this through rhyme, poetry, song, riddles, jokes. This increases the music of reading, the phonological awareness and meaning that text contains. In play, we can break rules, which helps add dimension to grammar comprehension. Number five, reading aloud from published texts is superior to spoken language as it pertains to reading and learning to read because it expands our vocabulary as well as phonemic awareness because published writing is richer in word choice, complexity, and uses correct grammar. Number six, therefore, reading aloud develops an ear to hear incorrect grammar, which really helps your kids as they get older, and we want to teach more of those principles. Number seven, 
our last takeaway is to recognize that reading aloud provides a platform to give voice to your own inner reading experience. This lets your kids see your reading process and it's excellent modeling. So just be vulnerable with your kids and say things like, hmm, that last part didn't make sense to me. What am I missing? Let them teach you. Or you could say something like, I'm sorry, I spaced out while I was reading. Do you mind if I go back and reread? You can also say, who is Dr. So-and-so? I don't remember her. And allow your kids to show you that they were listening and paying attention. Also, use the maps, glossary, any citations, and perhaps even a family tree that are included in your book so your children can see their use and how to apply them in their own personal reading time. At the end of the day, I want you to walk away from this episode deeply knowing that reading aloud to your children is a mechanism for relationship and repair. Reading aloud gives you language and communication that you may not be able to access otherwise on a particular day or a particular season. In these harder times, reading aloud gives language to communicate. You can voice the author's words, sending their message out to be received. This is especially helpful on the days where you don't have the energy, wherewithal, or heart to be able to communicate these things. You can communicate them with a read aloud. Reading aloud facilitates conversation. It naturally inspires a two-way conversation between listeners. And yes, this can happen non-verbally as well. Reading aloud typically results in some sort of mutual understanding, which gives us co-regulation. So on those hard days, read aloud and see what communication and conversations come out that can help repair some brokenness in our relationships. These conversations often build wonder and collaboration. Collaboration is a non-judgmental space where listeners and participants think aloud, which leads towards brainstorming together and devising a plan while making decisions along the way. Out of collaboration, there is usually excitement that leads to us becoming co-creators. We emerge from the read aloud process to join together to make or do something that was inspired by the collective space of reading aloud and sharing language, the common ground. It is the primary way we do things together. Whatever you're going through with your kids right now, your family, yourself, whether it's educational trauma, self-esteem impacts, life transitions, uncertainty, behavioral challenges, whatever it is, taking time to read aloud to your children gives access to common ground and understanding. We can repair broken relationships even when we feel like we have nothing left in us to do. If we read aloud, the read aloud gives the connection that maybe we just don't have today. Today's homeschool share is from homeschool mama Marcy. Marcy is a mother of three who has been homeschooling for 14 years. Here is what she has to say about the contributions reading aloud has gifted her family. Marcy wrote in, so allow me to read her words aloud. 
She writes, In reading aloud, one of the best lessons I have learned is to read slowly and welcome every interruption. When a child has a light bulb moment during read aloud, or an amazing idea to share, completely unrelated to the read aloud, it's better to stop and listen and discuss whatever they have on their mind rather than push to read the chapter or page or whatever. We all grow when we put the relationship around the read aloud above the words on the page. Connection with our kids is the purpose of reading aloud and the way through our homeschooling journey, not finishing the book on a schedule. Thank you so much, Marcy. What a beautiful and timely share. In conclusion, reading aloud is more than just words on a page. It's a gateway to the four pillars of language, which are communication, conversation, collaboration, and co-creation. By embracing reading as a means of connecting with our neurodiverse and differently abled children, we not only open doors, but also create bridges to understanding, empathy, and growth. I hope this episode has inspired you to prioritize reading aloud in your homeschool alongside your different learners. I hope you can move forward with confidence, excited with these new tools to adapt to the needs of your specific family members as you approach reading aloud. And I also hope you smile as you do so, realizing and seeing the creation of common ground made through reading aloud. It is from this place that de-schooling can deepen, repairs can begin, and bonds can strengthen. Other assessments and programs may be needed by your learner, but the relationship, confidence, and decompression received from establishing a read-aloud practice can happen first to make the rest more accessible. Thank you for joining me today on the 90-Minute School Day podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a literal second to hit five stars or a few more seconds to leave a review. This helps other parents find the podcast to learn along with us. Thank you for sharing with others who may find it valuable. And don't forget the show notes. They're always full of additional resources that you may find helpful in your homeschooling journey. Till next time, stay curious, keep learning, And remember that every word we read aloud is a step toward a more inclusive and enriched educational journey.